0: My daily meditation practice happens before my asana practice. So, before I practice on my mat and do my poses, it happens in that order because I feel that I approach my yoga practice differently. I see through a different filter. I'm more patient. I am able to take deeper breaths. I find more enjoyment in the journey and I feel less rushed in the process. So, I Only feel that and only do that because I've had enough time to practice and see that when I meditate first thing, it changes the rest of my day, my yoga practice included. Welcome to the Intuitive Woman
1: Podcast with your host, Tina Conroy. Gain clarity, confidence, and trust in your inner wisdom. Explore spiritual topics, including intuition, healing, wellness, yoga, vibrant living, and more. Hello and welcome, friends. I hope this finds you well. Happy New Year. Thank you for all your warm wishes for my birthday. It means so much to me. If you have been listening to me on social and through correspondence, you heard how having my birthday right between Christmas and New Year's always makes me a bit sad. I think because it's a reflective time, looking back and then having the opportunity to look ahead. I was always the girl of resolutions. And to be honest, it always began with losing weight. Yeah, I am the one in trillions that fell into that trap each and every year. Starting another diet to only give in to Chardonnay and cheese and crackers by February. Isn't the first words of diet die? Now I make intentions. They seem more in line with my vision. I also have a word for the year. And my word this year is growth. Growth in being healthy, growth in my business, and growth in my mindset. Last year, my word was alignment, And although I achieved alignment in some parts of my life, I didn't align with my health. So that growth will be the first priority. And hey, if I lose 20 pounds along the way, yay for me. I am excited for growth and continuing to create and share with my community. I have two live events in New York this month. January 13th, Reiki One Certification Class from 10 to 4.30. And January 27th, Envision from 1 to 3. This is the third year of Envision. It's one of my very favorite live events. We make and manifest our year with meditation, vision boards, Reiki energy, and sound bowl healing. I would love to see you there. All the information to sign up will be below. On today's show, I have the lovely Sarah Intonato. I've had the pleasure of having Sarah on the podcast before, and I'm delighted to have her back. Sarah and I debunked the myth of new year, new you. Sarah speaks passionately about creating a better version of herself through a sustained practice. If you follow Sarah on Instagram, oh, and by the way, you should, you can check out her stories and see how she keeps it real. Sarah says, meditation and yoga are what I need each day to remind myself this simple fact. New year, same me, a little wiser, maybe. I will leave all the information in the show notes below about Sarah and her four month meditation course, Definitely check it out. If you're loving this episode, please share with a friend. And if you really want to give me some love, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast. Have a beautiful day. Namaste. Hey, Sarah, how are you today? I'm great, Tina. Thank you for having me. Oh, I always love having you and chatting with you. We always have such a great time. Always. So here we are in January and i want to kick off this new month and new year speaking to you because you know the holidays are behind us and here we are and so many people talk about like new year new you but Bye. you and i have a little bit of we have a conversation about that so that's not always the case and how we can sustain and have a sustainable practice so but before we even get there i guess i'm getting ahead of myself so share with the listeners with the community of The Intuitive Woman about yourself.
0: Thank you so much. My name is Sarah Intonato. I live in Long Island, New York, as does Tina. And I have been teaching yoga since the age of 22. I dove into it because at that time, or a few years prior, I was having really serious anxiety attacks. And I was willing to try anything to feel more at ease within myself. and. For many years, I didn't know why yoga worked. I just knew that it worked and that it gave me tools to manage my state of mind and my anxiety. And it didn't banish the anxiety, but it did show me that I could handle it and that I could move through it in a way that was holistic, in a way that was in alignment with who I wanted to be. And from there, I began teaching yoga, which I thought would be a temporary thing right out of college. And it didn't take long to realize it was not a temporary thing. This was my calling and how I wanted to spend my life's work. And I've been doing that ever since. And many years later, I am a parent. I have a family. I have many different facets of yoga, my business. So I no longer teach group classes in studios in a traditional way. But I do predominantly one-on-one work. I have led Yoga Sutra course courses through webinar and in-person formats. I am currently leading a four-month meditation course, which was really important to me because I was the person who felt comfortable getting on my yoga mat, felt comfortable moving my body, and enjoyed it. And then maybe after doing that for four or five years, sat on a meditation cushion, and I thought, this is not for me. I can't do this. I'm not cut out for this. I'm going to leave meditation to the good people who can sit easily and I'm just going to go back to my mat. And thankfully at that time, I had a really good teacher who was able to guide me. And in recent years, I've started thinking, my goodness, my life is so different because I was willing to go back to that meditation cushion day after day, even when it was awkward, even when it was uncomfortable. And what would I have done if I hadn't had someone to guide me? I would still be thinking. I was not cut out for it. I would still be thinking I wasn't quote-unquote good at it. And yet my whole life is different because I just stayed with it. So my mission in leading this meditation course is to show anybody that you can do this. If you're willing to spend 5 to 10 minutes on yourself every day, if you're willing to try and be imperfect, you can do something which will give you a different filter through which you see your life. and. I think of so many people out there who want to try and get lost and they try the apps, but they don't have accountability or they don't have someone to troubleshoot with when things don't go well, that I really wanted to be of service to people who were committed enough to stay the course, but needed some help. And so that's a huge passion of mine, which I'm really happy to be incorporating into my business right now.
1: So let's go back to you're comfortable moving your body, you're practicing yoga, you're teaching yoga. And what drew you to that? Maybe it wasn't the first time, but what drew you to say, okay, I want this meditative practice, just like you had cultivated a yoga practice into your daily life. What what do you think? Was it just the right timing? Like, because there's a lot of people that are listening and say, yeah, well, the two of you like drink the Kool-Aid. This is what you do. And meditation is right. easy for you, which I will say it's not easy. It's no, just non-negotiable, right? Right. So take us back to that because I think we need to just allow people to know that there's always a reason or there's a moment. There's always this timing. So, or maybe you could share a little bit what that is. Sure. I think when
0: I... First, began dabbling in meditation. A lot of it was because a friend of mine who was a meditation teacher who I really respected had been telling me how this had changed his life so drastically over the last 20 years. And he embodied a lot of qualities that I wanted to develop in myself. He was a very, and still is, very steady person. He didn't have big, strong reactions. Even when things went wrong, he seemed to really be able to weather storms. And... I knew those were qualities which I wanted to develop in myself. And I had gone to a couple of meditation workshops, which he was leading. And when I would sit in the group with him leading us, I really found a noticeable difference in how I was after the fact. But then when I would go to sit by myself... I thought, it was like the needle scratching a record. This isn't how it was when we sat together. I don't have my teacher here with me to figure this out. My mind is not quiet. In fact, it's all over the place. And yet I knew from having experienced it with him that it didn't have to be that way and that permanently it wouldn't be that way. But I didn't know how to work through those obstacles by myself. I think that's a very common pitfall now that yoga has gone online. People sign up for the online course or they watch a YouTube video or they download the app and they think, that's it. That's all I have to do. I'm just going to follow the instructions and boom, reach reach enlightenment. And you and I know that that's not the case. Those places can be really valuable starting points. I don't want to knock them because they certainly have value. But I think of it very much like somebody who's tried to clean up their eating habits. You can talk to the food coach. You can go to the Weight Watchers meeting, but who's going to stop you in the middle of the night when you're craving some cookie dough from the fridge? And, and I think that I felt like that when I was trying to control my mind and I really needed a teacher. And for me, there was a very stark difference between giving my body movement as a focal point, something that was tangible that I could feel, that I could focus on, made it so much easier for me to quiet my mind down versus when I was just sitting. I felt like it was a lot more difficult. So I think that because I had had the benefit of working with a teacher once or twice in a group setting, I was aware that I was able to go to a more quiet, peaceful place. And yet, it was very frustrating to try and do it on my own and not get the results that I was looking for, which I knew were possible.
1: How long ago was that that you sought out a teacher, a meditative teacher, and then started practicing on your own or? That was 12 years ago. 12 years ago. What does your life look like now, or what does your daily practice look like now?
0: Now my daily meditation practice happens before my asana practice. So before I practice on my mat and do my poses. It happens in that order because I feel that I approach my yoga practice differently. I see through a different filter. I'm more patient. I am able to take deeper breaths. I find more enjoyment in the journey and I feel less rushed in the process. So I only feel that and only do that because I've had enough time to practice and see that when I meditate first thing, it changes the rest of my day, my yoga practice included. And It took me some time to figure that out. You know, in the beginning, I was trying all different times of day to see which time of day resonated most. I tried meditating before I went to bed to see if it helped me sleep better. And I tried meditating in the middle of the day to see if it helped me push pause when I was feeling really busy or overwhelmed. And the truth is, none of them were bad. But I found that I got the most out of my own personal practice when I meditated first thing in the morning. It was like the equivalent of brushing your teeth and then having a clean mouth the rest of the day. I had clean vision, clean mind the rest of the day. And for me, that's a very powerful tool. And that's why I do it
1: then. So I just want to pause there because I know there's some people listening saying, is there a rule if you practice yoga and you practice meditation, should one be before the other? Or was that just what worked for you?
0: That is what works for me now. However, when I first began I definitely had more antsiness when I sat and meditated so I found it really helpful to do my asana practice first get my nervous energy out and then I was able to sit down a lot more peacefully after I had done that I didn't feel like I had ants in my pants anymore or didn't feel rushed and then over time as I became adept at that and I noticed I was able to sit for a longer period of time a friend of mine said why don't you test it and see if It changes how you approach your yoga practice if you try it first. And I said, That's a good experiment. I'll try that. And I'll try anything once. And um, for me, I found that it really felt good. And also, having been somebody who I think I still am somewhat of a high achiever, I really liked that it helped me to make my movement practice, my asana practice, not at all about results. And having done competitive movement sports in the past. I was a figure skater when I was very young. I did ballet. It was always about doing things right. And meditation first thing in the morning really helped me to remove any element of that that was still lingering from my yoga practice. It didn't matter anymore if my pose was easy or difficult. It didn't matter if I felt stiff or bendy. I was able to just absorb whatever I was meant to learn in that moment. And so for me, that was a nice shift having come from more competitive backgrounds.
1: Now, a lot of people will hear or they research meditation and they'll hear transcendental meditation, guided meditation, mindfulness meditation. Do you practice a particular lineage or a particular style of meditation?
0: I began with the Zen Buddhist meditation technique which was taught to me by my friend who is a meditation teacher. And it began very simply with counting your breath. And this is the first technique I always teach my students because I think it's very simple, it's very straightforward. I think the human mind likes to complicate things. Do I need the right audio guide? Do I need the right chimes to finish my meditation with? And when you practice Zen Buddhist meditation, the answer is no. You need to be willing to sit down and breathe and that's all. And I think that was great for me because it took away any desire to get overly perfectionistic with it. It was so simple and so cut and dry. There was no excuse to not do it. And I resonated with that because I had been studying and still study and practice Ashtanga Yoga. And I'm somebody who practices predominantly at home when I'm not in India studying, when I'm not with my teacher, Eddie Stern in Brooklyn, a couple of days a week. It was such a huge gift to be able to do my asana practice at home by myself and learn the discipline and stay focused that I immediately recognized how valuable it was to have a practice in meditation, which was very simple and straightforward. I didn't need to overcomplicate it. I didn't need to be dependent on the perfect thing to make it happen. I could just sit down and do it. As I became more and more seasoned, been sitting for longer periods of time and being able to follow my breath for longer periods of time without being distracted, I eventually dropped the counting and moved into more of a classic Vipassana style meditation where you're sitting silently and just hyper-focused on the breath. So similar but different. And I will say that some days if I don't meditate in the morning and end up meditating in the afternoon when I'm in the middle of a day that's busy and full, every now and again, I'll still gravitate back toward that Zen style. When I need something to focus on and my mind is ultra busy, the counting really just takes me right back. When you notice that your mind has wandered, just bring it back to the breath. So I think of it kind of like the sun salutes or standing poses in an asana practice. Those are basic things, but you do them every day still because they warm you up, they prepare you, they get you ready... It doesn't matter how advanced you become, you still need those. And I really feel that the Zen Buddhist technique provided that type of foundation for me in the same way.
1: So right now you're leading a group of people, a four-month program. Yes. And what is the... I, I, know, I know the answer, but I want to share the answer because I know you and I get very uh, riled up by this. But... <laughs> <laughs> What is the biggest obstacle that you're hearing, either when they were joining or just joined, or now they're in it, right? So they're in it. uh, What a good month, right? Right about now. They actually just started a few days ago. Oh, okay. Okay. So share with me what's the maybe the top obstacle or some of the biggest obstacles that you see that people have shared with you?
0: There are two, but I think they go hand in hand. And the number one, Bit of feedback that I got in all of this market research was consistency is the biggest challenge. People start, they feel great. They understand that meditation works for them. There's no question about it. They're not questioning that it makes them calmer and steadier and more focused and more peaceful. And then the life happens and they stop because other things seem more important. And then they have trouble getting back on the wagon. And part of that, I think, was the second obstacle, but I, I think they're related, is in people saying, I just need more time in the day. And to that, I get a little bit sassy with love. And I say, I have the exact same amount of time in my day as anyone else. You have the exact same amount of hours in your day as people who are well-established meditation and yoga practitioners. The only difference is that they have made it a priority and you have not. So I like to pare it down to something as simple as brushing your teeth. And this is essentially my mission in this four-month program is to make the habits around their meditation practice so supportive and so straightforward that by the end of these four months, they are meditating as consistently as they are brushing their teeth. Because think about it. If you're traveling, you still wake up and brush your teeth. If you haven't slept well, you brush your teeth. If your family is visiting, you brush your teeth. If you're sick, you brush them. If you're tired, you brush them. You don't make excuses around it because you know it's important. You probably don't even have to think about it anymore. You just do it. And the goal is to practice meditation enough that you no longer have to think about it. There's no negotiating around, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? You just do it. And that takes some time and it takes some support, which is what we're doing together. But I think that the I'm too busy is just an excuse. Maybe you don't have the support that you need and it's time to get that. Maybe you just haven't made the decision that you're going to commit and do whatever is required to help this become a regular piece of your life. And I think that's really the only shift. Once you decide to do it, the right people will come your way to help you. The right resources will help you. You won't have such a problem making the time. You might have to be okay with doing it imperfectly or starting really small, maybe with five minutes, for example, instead of 30 minutes of meditation, but you will do it because you've decided. And it sounds so simple that I think a lot of people don't address this. They just think, well, I should be able to do it. Why aren't I doing it? Because you haven't decided to make it a priority. That's why. And no judgment in that. When you're ready, you will. And it's that simple.
1: And also what I love about what you've built into the program, which is key, is accountability. Because let's face it, we're not really... A lot of us, and I say this a lot, a lot of us will let ourselves down, but we won't let someone else down. So if I had a check-in, right? Like if I had a check-in with you and say, yes, I did it, or no, I didn't, or whatever the, the... style is. It's a big difference of being accountable. I mean, I'm accountable. I have people that are accountable to me and I have people that I'm accountable to. And I notice the difference when I can be accountable to my actions and accountable to something I really want and show up and say, yeah, I didn't do that so great. Or yeah, I did. And so tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about why... You built the accountability into the program and how that really helps people. Because I I have to think that's such a key proponent of support. It's
0: it's so key. And even for someone like me who's been teaching yoga for 16 years, I still notice that I am more focused and better behaved when I'm in the room with my teachers. And it doesn't mean that I do a bad job on my own, but knowing that they're in the room, cuts straight through all my mental chatter and just gets me into a place of deeper focus, deeper awareness. I don't make excuses. I don't give in to distractions. Distractions are still there, of course. But I feel bolstered in my ability to overcome them. And I think that's Why the accountability piece was so crucial. And also, when I was surveying people who I've worked with, people who I haven't worked with, all around meditation, men and women, different walks of life, different career paths, so many of them said, The consistency piece is hard for me because I'm by myself, because there is no accountability. You can download all the meditation apps in the world, a lot of them are free or very low priced. You have a huge Amount of resources now with the internet in terms of what types of meditation you want to do, how long they are. You could probably find exactly what you're looking for online, but who's going to make you do it? Who's going to ask you how it went? Who's going to say, Do you need any help with that? Who's going to say, I understand how you feel when something makes feelings come up or emotions come up as a spiritual practice is meant to do at times? So, To me, that was a non-negotiable piece of this program because I really believe that, like me, people will show up for themselves more when they have that accountability piece in place. And I wanted this to be the support that they needed to make meditation a daily habit not just something that they dip their toe into that feels really good and then fall back into old patterns around. So that for me, based on the research that I did, was the game-changing piece, no question about it.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. I couldn't agree more. And I love that that's built in. And I love that, just like you said, things will come up, emotions will come up, not just doing it or not doing it, but emotions and how they feel about it and what's going on. Yeah, I want to segue a little bit to maybe share with the listeners how does meditation, or or, or let's put it more personal, how has meditation helped you off the cushion, right? So not in the meditation, right? Because I think everybody gets caught up in the in the actual meditation. Yeah, and I always say, like, I do this a lot. I'll say, you know, you may not see rainbows and unicorns. It's not about that. But how do we now react? So. For you personally Sarah how in your life has you have you seen parts of your life or facets of your life be affected by your meditative practice
0: That's a great question and one that I could probably talk about for hours because I think in so many ways everything is different because I am different because I've done this meditation practice Day to day. But I do think that if I had to choose a few things, one, I am much more in control of my reactions because I've gotten practice sitting steadily. And when people sit, I encourage them to commit to the sit, meaning if your nose itches, you don't scratch it. If the doorbell rings, you don't go get it. If your foot falls asleep, you don't start shaking it around to stop the pins and needles, which only makes it worse, by the way. It does not actually help you. Just sit. I promise it will pass. I promise no one has ever gotten injured because they didn't scratch their nose when it was itchy. And I think that for me, I've really been able to see that as you control your reactions to these small things in a safe place, it gives you the faith that you don't have to react to everything. And that, you know, when you get a hater online, you don't have to react. And when you get someone coming at you with drama in your family, you don't have to react. You can just remain in your steadiness and trust that those things will pass. And then if you feel called to react, you can do so in a way which is from a place of centeredness within you. So it's not ego-based and it's not engaging in the drama. It is really about, let's see if we can solve this challenge. And if not, you let it go. And if you can, you solve it. But I think that I would never have learned that had I just kept chasing every reaction that came up and wanted to be expressed. So I think yoga definitely taught me that, but meditation took it to a completely different level, for sure. And I... Think that if I had to think of something else, it would be my level of patience. I was told my entire childhood that I was not a patient person. And I am sure that went hand in hand with the overachieving. I wanted it, I wanted it now, I wanted it perfectly, and I wanted it yesterday. And I from my, I was good at it. I did very well in school. I was always overachieving. And I think that I was very uncomfortable just letting things be. I didn't know how to do that. And meditation showed me that there is so much beauty and so much learning in the gray area of just letting go and stepping away and trusting that you don't have to control everything. It was a lesson that I think probably would have been taught to me in a much harsher way at some point in life had I not had my meditation practice to show me the way with little bits of learning every day. So I think that I giggle to myself whenever I hear someone say, I don't meditate because I'm too busy for that. Or I don't meditate because I'm too type A for that. Or I'm not patient enough. Or I can't sit still. I'm like, if only you had met me. 25 years ago, or watched me as a child or a teenager, I think that you would laugh and and say, oh gosh, if she can go from that to this, really anything is possible. So when I get those responses from people, I really feel like I'm a better teacher for them because I know what it feels like. They think they're talking to the lady who just popped out of the womb totally quiet and steady. And it couldn't be further from the truth. So I smirk to myself when I receive those people in my path because I obviously can relate to them and I see myself in them. And if I can learn how to control my reactions and reel in my need to control and learn patience, anybody can do it, truly. And that's why I'm doing this because I understand how busy and overwhelmed people can feel. And I don't think they would take meditation seriously from somebody who was just born that way. I think they need to feel understood and feel heard in their concerns of letting go and in their concerns of pausing and connecting to their
1: feelings and inner voice and how intense and scary it can be if it's new for you. So talking about new, you know, here we are in January, and I mentioned this early on that we talk about, you know, new year, new you. Mm. What can you what can you say to that? What can you say to that person where it's now January and they're gonna start a meditative practice or they're gonna lose weight or whatever it would be. What you know, we talk about a sustainable practice. So what mm. can you speak to that a little bit?
0: Oh, the new year, new you thing is something I <laughs> always I always shake my head and think to myself, that's a bunch of BS because it's just a date in the calendar and it's sort of like if you picked yourself up and moved yourself from New York City to Miami to LA to Paris to London you're still you wherever you go your surroundings have changed but you haven't and I think just because the date on the calendar has changed does not mean suddenly you're a different person I think I kind of like to reframe it instead of saying if you want to make a change why wait for the new year you can do it at any time you can do it in December. You can do it in June. It doesn't matter. If you decide that you're ready, enlist the support that you need and make it happen. I think that it's time to stop fantasizing that because it's now a new year, everything is going to be different. And instead, ask ourselves, if I really want to commit to a meditation practice, what do I need to be successful? Don't think that you can do it alone. You can't, just like if you want to lose weight or quit smoking or quit drinking. I would encourage people I know who want to quit drinking to go to find a 12-step program, get support. I would tell people who want to make a deep change in their habits and start meditating to get support. I think that is the most valuable thing they can do because there will be bumps on the road in any path. And you're kidding yourself if you think that you can coach yourself through those bumps on your own doing what you've been doing for the last 20, 30 years. So regardless of the date on the calendar, are you really ready to be successful? And if so, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to invest in? What steps are you willing to take every day to make this happen? Because the January 1st thing is just, I think, a big marketing push and something that is successful in its marketing because look at what December looks like for a lot of people. Their calendars are busier. Their self-care goes down the toilet. They start January 1st not wanting to commit to something new, step into the next level of their being, but out of desperation because they've lost themselves. And nothing that starts from a place of desperation is ever going to be successful, I think unless there is a lot of support around it and clear mile markers of incremental goals in place so that you can have little milestones to reach. And I think that to give the example of weight loss, some people go into January 1st thinking, I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. But they don't celebrate when they lost two pounds. They're so focused on the 50. They don't celebrate when they've lost 10 pounds. Instead of acknowledging the efforts they've made, instead of acknowledging the changes they've made, they are so focused on the end result that they forget the learning and the day-to-day experience, and then they fall back because yeah. it feels unsustainable, or it feels unsupported, or draining, instead of an experience of learning and possibility. So I think, regardless of the day on the calendar, decide what you need, decide what you're willing to do, which will be different from what you're already doing to make
1: it happen and then go do it. I love that. Support is crucial. I mean, support really is. And you know, that's that saying like, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting the results that you've been getting, right? So I love that. Is
0: it the definition of insanity, doing something the same every day and expecting something different? Exactly. It's not gonna be different unless you decide to do some different things and make it different.
1: So before we close, I would love for you to share where people can find you. And we didn't talk about this offline, but would you like to close us out in a like a centering or just a brief brief meditation? Oh, I'd love to. Okay. People can find me
0: through my website S-A-R-A-Yoga.com. S-A-R-A, and from there they can find all my social media channels. My Instagram where I'm very active is just my full name. Sarah and Tanato. One word is my handle. And it is where I often post daily meditation tips and things that people can receive for free to help them with the little bumps in the road. Because I think that sometimes we get help when we have the big bumps, but the little bumps can just as easily veer you off track. And why not get help with those too? So that's the easiest place to... Connect with me on a day-to-day basis, but certainly through my website and email as well. I'm always happy to receive new people into my meditation program, and I'm always happy to give support when I can in whatever capacity. So shall we center?
1: We shall. (laughs) All right.
0: Sit comfortably however you are. Take the time to close your eyes. Breathe slowly and deeply through your nose. Keeping the mouth closed, but not clenched. Let there be a softness through your face and jaw. And it doesn't matter how busy your day is. It doesn't matter if you've ever meditated before. It does not matter if it sounds exciting and something you want to do or if it sounds completely intimidating and you don't want to do it, all you have to do right now for a fresh start in this moment is take three slow, deep breaths. We're going to do that together. Inhale deeply. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale, one more, inhale, exhale. Keep your eyes closed, continue to breathe for another few moments, reminding yourself you always have the time to take three deep breaths, And I encourage you to do it when you're at a stoplight, before you answer the phone, before you hit send. In those little moments, which present themselves all day, every day, you can make a difference right now just by doing this. And I honor you for making the effort to do this for yourself in this
1: moment, just as you are. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you so much. Thank you.